Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello and welcome to Humans Excess Manchester with me, Clint Boone. Every week we'll be celebrating the spirit of Manchester by speaking to somebody who's helped shape the city. This week I'm joined by a Mancunian artist and illustrator, Stan Chow. Stan tells us about perfecting his skill as an artist from a very early age. This was over a period of, of time, you know. I mean, what, what I realised I was good at was doing portraits. I kind of felt like, you know, there's so many other good portrait artists and caricaturists that I didn't really push it until my dad bought me a computer. And he'll also describe how his art angered the president. And he just basically like, I can't believe the artist did this <laughs> and they did a, you know, there are some great pictures of me, but they chose this picture. The artist persuaded the New York <laughs> Times to put this ridiculous cartoon of me. Gives me great pleasure to introduce the young chap whose work as a designer and an illustrator has not only gained him recognition around the world, it's also earned him a Grammy nomination on the way and a, a scathing comment from Mr. Donald Trump as well. Stan Chow, welcome to Humans Excess Manchester. Hello, Clint. How are uh, you? Uh, I'm all right, thank you. I probably went to bed a bit late last night, but um, 
I'm fine. It's right, that's Mantis, that's what yeah. we do, isn't it? That's the way we do it here. There's a couple of firsts in that, in that introduction, a couple of firsts for the podcast. Uh-huh. One being, you are the first person that's ever been nominated for a Grammy oh, that's, right, that's nice been one. on the podcast. And the other one is, the first person who uh, Donald Trump slagged <laughs> off, which are both interesting stories. We'll come to those in a little bit. Let's start right at the beginning, though, Stan. I know you are born in 1974. Uh-huh. Tell us about your childhood. Well, I was born in Wivenshaw Hospital. Let's let's get right to the beginning. Yeah. Born in Wivenshaw Hospital. I kind of grew up in Altrincham, in the Chippy. I uh, lived there for seven years in Altrincham, and then my folks moved to Marple. And what well, I do remember growing up, I was the only Chinese kid in the school. And, you know just because of the way Chinese families like to move. They like to be the only kind of um, family in the area, so so not to create too much competition, really. With the, the with the chippy. Let's, with the chippy for yeah. those people around the world that are thinking now, what the hell is a chippy? Yeah. Because <laughs> we know what it is in, in Britain. Tell us what a chippy is. Well, a chippy is, is a place where we sell fish and chips, the staple diet for most people, like back in the day. But we also, as well as well, fish and chips and pies and stuff, we also had like, um, you know, Chinese food in the back. So it was a Chinese takeaway, and the front was like a, a chip shop, basically. And that was the late 70s you were growing up. Now, born in 74, yeah. so through the late 70s, early 80s, that's mm-hmm. what, that was your childhood. Yeah, yeah. Your mum and dad emigrated to Britain from Hong Kong, is that yeah, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, my dad came over in the 50s. Back in those days, only the men came over, you see. So every now and again, my dad would just hop on a plane back to Hong Kong, try and find a girlfriend, and then bring them back. And that's that's what <laughs> they did back in the day, really. You know. So yeah, so my mum came over in the like, early 70s. Then I was born. Right. Yeah. I've got a question for you. Is that chippy still standing? The one that you grew no, it's, it's a. I believe it's a Indian takeaway now. Right. Okay. Yeah. It's um. It's on the same street as um, Altrincham Market. So every time I go to Altrincham Market, I get quite nostalgic, kind of um, remembering that I was born there. You know. Yeah. yeah. And what kind of a childhood did you have? Altrincham's always been a bit of an alright part of town, hasn't it? Really. It was great as far as I can remember. You know. I mean, like all I did was kind of, you know, went to school. You know, watch me parents. Like run the chippy, I'll be in the back drawing pictures on chip paper and just stuff, you know, even experimenting with food. I'll be helping out, like shelling prawns and chopping up mushrooms and stuff like that, you know. It was, it was quite nice. And the, the thing I remember most, actually, we had loads of them, footballers coming in. And that kind of made me become a, a Man United fan. I don't know if we were going to talk about Man United, but but yeah, I do remember people like Lou Macari and Gordon McQueen coming in. Wow, proper legends. And, um, Lou Macari ended up with his own chippy, didn't he? He did, yeah. Was well, that inspired by you a lot? I <laughs> yeah, I don't know, you know. I do remember when we drove past Lou Macari's chippy there, you know, but but yeah, he, he got to know my dad quite well in the in the bookies. Right. You know. <laughs> and let's talk about schooling then. How did you get on at school? You know what? I think I hated school. <laughs> you know, like I knew quite young that I was always going to draw pictures, so and like I was confident in myself that even from a young age that I'm going to be drawing pictures, you know, so so in my head, I always felt, I don't really need to try that art at school because I'm good at drawing. But then when I came come to secondary school, I got really into sport. So I ended up being in the rugby team and the basketball team and, and the athletics team. I was athletics captain, believe it or not, you know. But you knew that art was going to be the thing from, from oh, being a kid. always going to be, yeah. That's you know. funny that, isn't it? Because it's like, I think I dreamt of that kind of stuff. I never thought yeah. it'd be a, a career. But I think part of that was the careers teachers at school or the careers, whoever it was, the teacher that had that title never told us about those options right, you know, yeah. it's always like be a civil servant go and build aircraft for uh, orcas siddly as it's yeah. called back then british aerospace but you knew you wanted to be an artist yeah and did you go on to art college yeah i went to art college i mean i i mean i applied for all the big places like leeds and kingston and but then i didn't get in and ended up in a pretty crappy little place called swindon <laughs> which was you know the course was actually quite good actually I had some really kind of reputable tutors but 
it was just a bit, bit small. Having lived around up here in Manchester, yeah. then going to like Swindon. I mean, like, the, the reason was I, went, I, I kind of chose Swindon was because well, it was near London. And I thought, okay, London is where it's all going to be all happening in terms of design. So let's go somewhere near London if I can't even get into London. But yeah. when I got down there, even back in the early 90s, it was 40 quid for a train ticket to get to London. I thought, yeah. God, this is wasting my time. Kind of can't even afford to go into London. So, so yeah, so I just spent two years twiddling my thumbs and just kind of did the course and basically came back up to Manchester as soon as I finished. I don't suppose you were in Swindon when the Inspirals did that famous gig at the... Oasis Legend Centre. I heard about it. And that's where Noel got the idea to change the name of the band that he just joined to Oasis. Oh, right, really? That's where it happened, yeah. yeah. I do remember the Oasis. I went there a couple of times. It's a great great gig as well. Good town. It's a good town. I only described it as not not the best place. (laughs) Also, the the band XTC came from Swindon. So that's one of the things I always loved about it. And you had there was an art teacher that you've mentioned in Dispatches that had a particular influence on you. Chap called Robin Hidden. Yep. Good name, that, isn't it? Yeah. Was he hard to find? Was he hard to find? Yeah. Robin <laughs> Hidden. <laughs> yeah. Robin Hidden. <laughs> yeah. No, so because I, 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 that popped up on my radar when I read it because I had, yeah. there's a couple of key teachers that inspired me at school. Yeah. A lot of them I didn't really like, yeah. but we had an English teacher called yeah. Chris Giblin who was very inspirational. Yeah. Geography teacher, PK yeah. Murphy, brilliant. Uh-huh. And uh, the art teacher, yeah. Pete Murphy, who was uh, one of my favourite yeah. people of all time back then. And uh, uh-huh. so you want to tell us about your art teacher, Robin? Well, well he, was a, he was a fantasy artist he was a fantasy art and a comic artist as well but he didn't really kind of pursue it because i don't know it didn't work out for him anyway but he was his work was amazing he ended up being an art teacher at my school and um he basically just took me under his wing you know what I mean? you know and like as well as kind of really rocking me when i ne- needed to he also encouraged me you know i mean there were times when even though i said before like you know i always knew i wanted to be an artist but th- there were times when that self-doubt does come in the more you grow up the more you think is there actually any work available and how do you find work? He always just kind of believed in me and said, look, you know, if you do this and do that. It actually kept me, made me stay in education a bit for longer than I, I wanted to. Right, okay. I mean, I wanted to quit at 16, but he said, no, you've got to go through the education system. I mean, like, you'll learn more, you'll, you'll learn more about yourself you yeah. know, more than anything else, as opposed to actually learning more about illustration and design. And, and once you've learned more about yourself, then it'll kind of be a springboard for you to be able to actually kind of like, fight the world really you mean know, it'll just give you arm in dealing with the world really and off to swindon you went with your pencil case yeah. and watercolors under your arm <laughs> yeah what about music was music a big thing back in your uh, youth oh yeah oh absolutely you know um obviously started out like, recording the chart show and stuff like that but then got into whitney quite early and then but also got into metal but basically like i was into soul and funk and motown and, and heavy metal then as I grew older, my music taste kind of went more eclectic. You know, you know? I ended up DJing as well, like um, which you, you probably know because yeah. we DJed a few times back in the nineties, actually, wasn't it? Back yeah. in the glory days. Yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so yeah. So, so no. Yeah, I started out like just loving general pop music, but then it went to it was Led Zeppelin that brought me in, into liking heavy metal, and then obviously, you know, you just, as you grow up, you just listen to more music you know, and I bought more records, and yeah, and then. Ended up being a DJ for a few years. And what about the first gigs you went to? What would that? What would they be? Oh, the first gig I went to was, oh, it was the Cult actually at the Apollo. It was on them um, Children in Need night. I remember well because I just remember the people collecting money for Children in Need on, on that evening. And Ian Aspey broken his arm the night before. So yeah, that was the first gig I went to. Salt and Pepper was the second gig I went to. So right gives you an idea. I liked everything really. Yeah. Apart from actually indie music, <laughs> I, was, I never got into like the Smiths or the Stone Roses. Or anything like that. You I mean it was it was later on, going into my mid twenties and thirties, where I, I started to appreciate it a bit more. Mm. But back then, I was a bit of a. It was mainly more American-based music at the time, really. You know. 
And what were the, uh, aside from music, what about the other artists, like designers and illustrators that inspired you back then? It was mainly just like, like books, like children's books and, like, and picture books, really, you know, that, and comics, really. I mean, there were two comic artists who really influenced me, Bill Sinkovics and Mike Minola. Mike Minola is the guy that invented Hellboy. These were also the guys that kind of helped make you think they got a career in doing what they like. And they also did it in a way which was different from everyone else. They had a very distinct style, which was so different from your typical comic book illustration, really, you know. And that's what kind of drew me to them, really. And that's what you've done. You've got such um, quite an original style that you've yeah. got, uh, although people have uh, tried replicating uh-huh. it. And uh, I believe you said before, it's like the daily discussion they have to yeah. have people on Twitter. Uh, but when did that style come about? When did you start doing the... Uh, that iconic sort of portrait stuff that you've known for? I guess it was over a period of, of time, you know. I mean, what, what I realised I was good at was doing portraits. I kind of felt like, you know, there's so many other good portrait artists and caricaturists that I didn't really push it. So my dad bought me a computer. Because before when I started out, I was, I was mainly painting, basically. And then he bought me a computer, and it was, it was just trying to transfer my painting skills digitally. And I guess once you do that, you, you're already creating a, a new style anyway. But then it's a case of, honing it and just massaging it and just kind of keep working on it and just le- letting it develop really you know I never set out to kind of find a, a new distinctive style it's just kind of the more you work something just develops and and then if it's not if it's not working you'll try something else to a point where okay I think I found I found a formula here and it's working and as well as it working for me it's working for other people other people seem to be liking it as well that's when you kind of know you've hit on something I guess and do you still do the old, uh, like, pen and paint? Or... No, I'm not drawn, I'm not, well, I'm not painted for, for like, 15 years now. Right. But I, I still do them every now and again. But but the way I've kind of transferred all my skills working digitally, I just primarily work on a computer now. Is it like an electronic whiteboard to, to start with? Do you use something like that or do you just use a mouse? I just use a mouse. To, oh, okay. And, like, I learned on a mouse and I just decided to stay on a mouse. I mean, I, I bought all the equipment to like a drawing tablet it's just too hard to create my style it's too much hard work just to kind of like relearn again really yeah. I mean, uh, that's one of my favorite quotes anybody said on this podcast so far i learned on a mouse and yeah. i decided to stay on a mouse yeah. if you just heard that <laughs> out of context you like, must be really small this guy yeah. uh, and let's talk about white stripes so at some point jack white became aware of your work and that was a bit of a turning point wasn't it yeah yeah, yeah that was that was amazing well the thing was um the, the white stripes were playing a gig at the apollo and i thought well you know what, I think I want to do, start doing gig posters, you know. I was already doing a few posters for Night and Day and The Roadhouse at the time. And I thought, oh, I want my career to progress now. How do I get to do, like, posters for massive touring bands, you know? So I thought to myself, I'll just do a, a pretend bootleg post and see what happens. So I did a poster. I sent it to SJM to see what they think. They said, well, you know, we don't really deal with this kind of stuff, which is fair enough. And then I just put it on MySpace, which is, you know, all you could do back then. You know what I mean? I was like, I couldn't really print it off and sell the poster. Mm. So I put it on MySpace and just did a poster like to say, look, you know, this is my fan art poster for White Stripes playing at the Apollo. This is back in 2005. Just left it on there. Then some guy decided to take the artwork and put it on gigposters.com, which was like a, a website for like for budding gig poster artists. Jack White and Meg saw it on gigposters.com and um, gave me a phone call. It wasn't them, it was their, it was their manager or, or someone that represents them anyway. But, you know, it says... Jack and Mega seen your poster and they would like to work with you. And that, that was that really, you know. And I ended up designing these little um, these little hard drive sticks of, you know, little caricatures of Jack and Meg with their album Icky Thump installed in it. Mm. And they, apparently they made uh, 333 of them each because Jack's obsessed with the number three. 
and that's it. That, and that, that that's was, where the Grammy nomination that's came. That's where the Grammy nomination came. You know, you, you got nominated for a Grammy for a, a thumb drive. Yeah. And at that time, this is a fascinating thing. I've, I've never met Jack White, but I met him briefly once at least. Yeah. Didn't, didn't really speak, but we passed. Uh, but at that time, he was married to a girl from Chadderton. Yeah, yeah. I Karen so, Elson. Yeah. Uh, Karen, she was a supermodel. Yeah. And I always thought at that point, this fact that he's called his album Ecky Thumb. Yeah. And there was a song called Rag and Bone. Yeah. And it really felt like to me, he just really embraced the olden yeah, spirit totally, yeah, for, yeah. That, for that era. Yeah. So the Grammy nomination yeah. was a bit of an eye point in your career. Yeah. But tell us about this thing that Trump uh, got involved <laughs> in, because you did some art yeah. based around New York and yeah. Trump was made aware of it and described it as ridiculous. Yeah, he did. Um, well, basically, um, yeah, this was before he was elected um, and the New York Times magazine asked me if I could draw a picture of Trump stick the picture onto a balloon and the actual... <laughs> it's appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> and basically, the the actual cover was a was a photograph of the balloon with my picture on. So it became the cover of the New York Times magazine for that week. It won a few awards. But the day after, there was an interview with Trump in the Washington Post. And he just basically like, um, I can't believe the artist did this <laughs> and they did it. You know, there were some great pictures of me but they chose this picture. The artist persuaded the New York <laughs> Times to put this ridiculous cartoon of me. So, yeah, that was a weird high point in my career. You know, <laughs> it would you know? be, wouldn't it? But, you know, but the point was, what made that high point a low point was that you got bloody elected, didn't he? You know, you know? Mm. the whole point was, the idea was to kind of diss him enough so he didn't get elected. The story's not over yet, is it? I'm no. sure it's going to be a, <laughs> an happy ending, hopefully. Tell us about Lego. You do a lot of work with Lego still. Are you still uh, doing that? No, no, I, I, basically with Lego, they asked me to do some uh, workshops and do some lectures for their staff. So not necessarily designing for no, them? I wasn't designing for them, no, they, it, which was weird enough anyway. I mean, it was like, when they when I saw the email, I was like, is this a joke email? Is it, you want me to kind of talk to guys? You're Lego, I'm me. But I thought, yeah, I'll, I'll go. <laughs> so I said, yeah. I, I said to them, I've never done a talk before. I've never done workshops before, but because it's you guys, I'll I'll wing it. You know what I mean? I had a meeting with Lego once. Mm-hmm. This just came to me that they came up with a, a concept for a kid's TV show, which was yeah. based around robots, and I can't remember the name of it. It might right. have been Little Robots. And I got called in as a musician that was doing uh-huh. uh, theme tunes at the time. Right. I did Engie Benji and yeah. a few others for Granada. And I got this meeting with Lego down south. And um, I remember going into this Lego building and having to play this song that I'd written right. about a robot. And it was too raunchy. The song, <laughs> song was really raunchy. Was the, was the lyrics or was it? Just oh, yeah, it's full yeah. thing, but it wasn't. Right. But as I played it back, and I could see the woman's face dropping. I'm thinking, <laughs> oh, that is a bit, that's a bit suggestive, that, that second uh-huh. verse. Uh, but yes, yeah, so it never uh, never got used. Another big career moment, being a United fan since you were a toddler, uh-huh. you got to meet Alex Ferguson on oh, business. Oh, yeah, yeah. Tony Walsh, the poet, he asked me to um, illustrate his poem that he wrote for Alex Ferguson called The Govern Boy. It was commissioned by the traffic councils that were opening um, Sir Alex Ferguson Way. So Tony did the poem. He wanted to be able to just make the poem look nicer. So I just did a portrait about Sir Alex, stuck the poem next to it. So we had this nice little package thing with, with the poem and, and my illustration. And the first time we met Alex was like, um, it was on his birthday. Like we, we were like surprise guests on his birthday to present him a signed picture of the poem. And, um, and that was about four years ago now. But then more recently, he just, out of the blue, he invited me and Tony to watch a game with him at Old Trafford. This was after his operation. And it was um, pretty amazing. Obviously, I was starstruck, you know. But then it wasn't just being starstruck. He, was just, he comes up to me, like, we were hanging out with his family and his friends. And we were about to go on t- onto the dinner table. And he puts his arm on my shoulder. Stan, you sit next to me. I was like, 
okay, <laughs> you know. So so basically, I spent the whole afternoon just sat with him, chatting to him, okay. and it was like, which was it was bizarre but amazing. But he was, but he's so down to earth, and he's such a gentleman, and he's still still on it. You know, you know despite the operation, he was great company. And he's still very well loved in the city, yeah. and by not just by United fans, it's everybody. Oh, yeah. isn't it? Of all the work you've done, what's the piece that you're most proud of, or the most significant? Uh, 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 oh wow! This, like everyone who asks asks me this, it's like the problem is it, it changes like <laughs> every time I'm asked. To be quite honest with you, the job I'm working on now, which I can't discuss, is probably the proudest job I'm working on. Really? But I can't talk about it. Oof, you can we guess? No, you can't guess. Is it to do with music? <laughs> Nothing to do with music. Oh, is it to do with uh, <laughs> politics? No. Oh, is it to do with um, me? <laughs> <laughs> Just keep us posting on that one. So, Lego, White Stripes, Alex Ferguson, Donald Trump. Anything else you've been working on that's weird and wonderful that we need to know about? Also, did this thing for McDonald's um, a few years ago. It was designing their billboard on um, on Piccadilly Circus. So essentially, it was an animated billboard. I created a, a little village. That was the illustration I created. But also, you could create these little people on your iPhone. Once you created a guy on your iPhone, you press jump. The guy would jump from your phone onto the big screen on Piccadilly Circus. Amazing. So you got all these dancing figures that you that, you know that the public have created dancing on the screen, basically. That's incredible. That's so there's stuff like you know there's buses going around and stuff like that. But then. Has that got a name or is it just part it's of the McDonald's called, It was campaign? called um, Little Pika. It was up for like a three or four years, but it, they only just took it down recently. But the best thing about that thing is it's also in the Paddington Bear movie. There's a scene where they kind of pan through London and my advert's there, you know, that I've done. But the thing was, it was like, I watched the film with my kids and they spotted it and it's like, and they literally jumped <laughs> up in the middle of the cinema and like, Daddy, you did that. It's like, I did. <laughs> you know, so, so for me, that was the proud moment. The fact that my kids saw it in Paddington Bear, as opposed to actually the job itself, really, you know. But it's also been on other films like Mission Impossible. So, so the fact that I've done something and it's actually in another f- film and it, yeah. it, it'll always be there, kind of somewhere, you know, someone will, will always see it. You know, I had a moment like that when I, I, I can't remember the film. I should know this. It was either yeah. Notting Hill or about a boy. Yeah, and I think it was Notting Hill. But it's where the bloke, who's probably Hugh, Hugh Grant, is he called? Yeah. Is that what he's called? Yeah. yeah. But he's in a record shop, yeah. and right next to him is uh, Clint Moon Experience's second album, oh, wow. which is a picture of my little boy, Max, with his oh, Mohican, wow. um, yeah. when he was five or six years old. Right. And I, I, but I should remember what the film is, shouldn't I? Especially yeah. if it's Notting Hill. I could probably put that on the it's CD. It's Let's talk about <laughs> Manchester. Let's talk about this uh, beautiful city that we've okay. uh, both grown up in and around. Do you think there is such a thing as a Manchester spirit? And if there is, how would you define it? I'm sure there is. There's definitely an energy here. You mean there's a kind of energy where you feel you can do anything. Well, that's how I felt anyway. You know, when I first started coming into Manchester, I just met a bunch of people who just had this belief in themselves where we're going to be successful, really. You know, and it's a case of just persevering. And and the bunch of guys I I hung out with back in the early days, like Baddy John Boy and Andy Botel and and the guys from Elbow and I include. This was before the time when anyone had record labels or anyone been heard of, and they just carried on doing what they loved doing really you know and that for me is the spirit that kind of kept me going really because it was only about 10 years into my career into doing illustration where I could actually say this is my job now you know mm. before I was just kind of like doing bits and bobs working in the chippy doing a bit of DJing you know working behind bars you know doing cloakrooms and stuff like that just making enough money just so I can actually you know be an illustrator but the point was I was still being an illustrator you see all the other guys were the same you know they're doing all their little bits and bobs here but they maintain their 
creative careers, you know, and they just carried on and eventually it became a job. And I felt like, for me, that's that's the spirit I know, mm. you know, in terms of like, just we do what we have to do, but then we still do what we want to do. And hopefully that dream will come true, you know. But like I mentioned earlier, there's the one thing that's always struck me about the city, but particularly amongst the creatives, whether it's yeah. musicians or artists, or costume makers, whatever, yeah. they're always very supportive of each yeah. other. And that's, I've never really come across any rivalry as such, even in yeah. the bands, even when it was yeah. the eye of the Manchester scene, the amount of yeah. camaraderie between those big players was amazing. And I think that is the spirit of the city. Oh, absolutely, we're, yeah. we're always there to help each other out if uh, they need a bit of support and encouragement. Could you ever imagine uh, not being in Manchester? No, I have imagined quite a few times of not being in Manchester, but like, but, but of all the places that I've tried maybe going to, always felt Manchester was was where I was going to come back to. Really, you know, mm. I guess it's where all my, it's where my family are, yeah, and my friends are. So ultimately, these are the things that kind of keep you where you are. Really, you mean? Yeah. I knew I could do what I wanted to do here in Manchester. If if I felt like I had to go somewhere else to to pursue my career, then I probably would have gone. But but I didn't need to. So. That's why I'm still here, really. Tell us about your kids. How many kids you got? Got two kids, Winnie and Pearl. Winnie's nine, Pearl's seven. They're pretty cool, really, you know. Pearl, I think she's going to be great at something. She's just kind of... I've never met a girl who's so persistent at doing stuff. Then there's Winnie, who's just a bit more chilled and relaxed. She's just uber cool, you know. And are they artistic? Well, yeah, they are in, in different ways, though. Like, like, Winnie just knows she's good. Then Pearl... <laughs> good like that. Pearl, she's kind of, like, wants to be better. That's the difference between the two, you mean it? Yeah. yeah. What are your favourite place in the city? Where do you hang out? Where do you eat? Oh, where God. Do you, where do you take the kids? Ooh, bloody hell. You're asking me a lot of questions here all at once. <laughs> you know, where do I, every now and again, we, we you know, we, I like to take my kids to go to um, eat dim sum. I feel like in Chinese, I really need to instill my half of, of their heritage. My wife being English and me being Chinese, like every now and again, we have to go and have dim sum chi- and eat Chinese food, you know. We normally go to Taipan on a... Um, Upper Brook Street, near the Upper hospital. Street. Yeah, we near got, the hospital, yeah. Lord, it's brilliant. Yeah, you know, so we go there. For, for, for us, it's the standard. It's it's the bar, really, you know. <laughs> Everywhere else we go, we judge it by the standards of Taipan, you know. So so we go there quite frequently. A new place I like going to is this place called One Plus. It's a, a Chinese hot pot place where um, where you get, like, raw food on a conveyor belt. And then as it comes along, you just pick your food and cook it in a stock pot in a cooking in front of you and that's like a, that's one of my favourite eating experiences you know we go to Taipan um, yeah. not just the restaurant but underneath the ground floor is the uh, the big Chinese supermarket oh, yeah, cash yeah. and carry yeah. we go there loads probably yeah. every couple of weeks the kids yeah. love it we've got three little boys yeah. and we have the uh, we have the Chinese uh, hot pot at oh, yeah. home Oh, well, right, you have, okay, you have, yeah. Divide into two. You have a, a spicy broth and oh, a yeah, mild yeah. broth. Oh, wow, that's amazing. And you put the, the, the full Chinese experience. Yeah. My kids love it. They're just oh, brilliant, so yeah. into the food. But yeah, Taipan, worth yeah. checking out. We're coming towards the end. I've got a couple more questions to okay. ask for you. The first one being, who are your favourite humans of excess Manchester? Is, is Fergie included? Can I say Fergie? Absolutely. I, I was hoping you would. Oh, yeah. They, well, don't, they don't have to be born and bred yeah. Manchester. They, right, okay. Somebody who's had a, an influence on the city. Well, Fergie, you know, being a Man United fan and just bringing like twenty odd years of, of footballing success is just I can't ask for more, really. You know, it's we've had some recently some pretty dour times. Hopefully, Ollie will make things a bit better, and uh, well, he is making things a lot better. But it's like, like a furry story, isn't it? Yeah, the, no, yeah. the current chapter of Manchester United. The, the longer Van Gaal and Mourinho are here, the more important Fergie became. It was kind of like you, you realised what an amazing job he did. So yeah, so. A great bloke. Don't get me wrong. It's like the idea of hanging out with a seventy-seven-year-old dude doesn't really bring great joy. The idea of it, you know. But then, <laughs> but then it's like you hang out with him. It's like, whoa, he's cool. You know, because he's not—he's not an old man. He's just a, a bloke. 
that's very interesting. And he, he's down with the kids. Well, when I say down with the kids, he, he has to be because the guys that he was managing at the time were younger than younger than I am. So he's got to kind of have an understanding of, of what people like 40 years younger than him felt. You know, in that sense, Fergie is definitely um, one of the dudes of excess Manchester. You mentioned before, before we started the... Uh the tape recording yeah. that you felt you should mention Anthony Wilson there's a I guess there's a, a small period of my career that we're not I should talk about that I, I managed the band and without Anthony Wilson I, I don't think I would have even strayed into that domain of managing bands you know he, he created a music scene which kind of made everyone feel like they could actually become a well-known band you see you know during the kind of late 90s and the mid 90s there was such a great scene where everyone felt I'm going to form a band here and we could do alright here you know, but even if they did, didn't do alright that, that, that didn't matter there was a music scene that he that he helped create because he encouraged more and more young kids to be involved he just made it better mm. and I feel that's that's how important he was to Manchester Manchester music in particular at, at the time There's one story about Anthony Olsen that is one of my favourites and it just shows how like we talked about that support and encouragement for fellow Mancunians yeah. When the Inspirals were still relatively unknown, mm-hmm. Anthony Wilson was at a party somewhere and he bumped into our drummer, Craig, Craig Gill, who was with Noel Gallagher, uh-huh. who had just become our roadie at the time. They got talking and Craig said, we're in a band uh-huh. in Spiral Carpets. And Tony said, oh, I've got a TV show. If you want to come on and perform, right. get, get you in in a couple of weeks, come and do one of his songs. This is before I had a record deal uh-huh. and we'd never done telly. And then about a week after our singer left, this is back in 1989, 88, 89, so we phoned Tony up and said, that TV show that we were going to film with you uh, next week, we can't do it, our singer's left, we've not got a singer. And he said, just come and do it anyway, do it as doing instrumental. Right. So we weren't even a complete yeah. band, we had no singer, but right. he still went and let us do the TV right, show yeah. the other side of midnight. So the first time that we were ever on telly yeah. was an instrumental right. uh, called Directing Traffic because we had no singer. But it just shows how Tony yeah. was back then. Instead yeah. of saying, got no singer, we're not having you on. Yeah, let's do it, it. yeah. 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 No, it's, it's very, very encouraging. Oh, there's another dude. I want kind of more, more Chinese dudes to represent, and um, he's called Benedict Wong. Um, he's from Eccles. I don't think many people know he's from Manchester, but you know he kind of did the same path as me, really, kind of like working in bars and stuff like that in the Northern Quarter back back in the early nineties. But you know he's he plays um, a big character. Wong in in the Avengers plays opposite um, Benedict Cumberbatch in um, Doctor Strange, I think it is, and he's been in loads of films. He's been in The Martian. He's been in Prometheus. He's just one of those guys where. Well, not many people know he's from Manchester, but, you know, he's definitely still got Manchester in the blood. And he's a big Man United fan as well. So he's a superhuman of excess Manchester. He is, yeah. That's another first. <laughs> Final thing, Stan. Mm-hmm. Describe Manchester in three words. Oh, my God. No, not oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> that, that'd work, wouldn't it? Oh, my God. Yeah. WTF. Uh, 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 <laughs> home sweet home. Beautiful. I think, um, it is. It is my home, really. I can't. Um, I just, as we touched on before, I've tried the idea of trying out other places to live in. But ultimately, you know, wherever I go, I'd always be drawn back back here. Again. Yeah, home sweet home it is for all of us. Stan Chow, thank you for being a human of excess Manchester. Thank you very much, Clint. That was Stan Chow. Make sure you join us next week, where I'll be speaking to legendary DJ Graham Park. Don't forget to follow us on social media. We are at Humans Excess and subscribe to Humans Excess Manchester. Rate us. Feel free to leave us a comment as well. We'd like to get your feedback. Thanks for listening. See you next week.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.